0: Yeah. Our scripture verse this morning will come out of First uh, John, way in, way in the back. First John, Chapter Three. We had First, F- EPC believe that the Bible is God's truth. That's becoming somewhat of a peculiar position to take in the world in which we live. We believe that, that this Word is active and living, uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only infallible way of faith and practice. So we need to know what it says. 1 John chapter 3, the first seven verses. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness you know what that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin no one who abides in him keeps on sinning and no one who keeps on sinning has either has either seen him nor known him Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Let us pray a moment. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. And it is our anchor. So open it to our understanding. Convict us, Lord, and convince us indeed, of your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you about a man named Richard. Richard had an amazing story to tell. At the age of 25, he had spent more than 15 years either in reform school or prison. He never thought about being able to live a normal life, to get out, to go straight, so he had accepted the notion that he would be in prison probably all his life, and it was his, for sure, not just his second home, but it was his first home. As a career inmate, he worked hard in the prison to earn the respect of the other, of the other prisoners. And if you might imagine, that respect is mostly earned by fear. He took a lot of pride in, in being able to take the punishment, or whatever punishment that the, the man could lay out the guards. One day Richard did something unexpected. One day, Richard listened. He listened to a man who had come into the prison to talk about Jesus. And to his surprise, Richard's surprise, that man made sense. It wasn't long before Richard Goss gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he experienced a radical transformation. Sometime later, Richard's sharing this story. And he was asked, how did these other prisoners treat you after you came to know Jesus? And he answered this, my fellow inmates respected me more, even more after I gave my life to Christ, they respected me because I walked the talk. You know, if you and I want to make a difference in this world, we too have to be committed to walking our talk, to letting what shows on the, on the outside, letting what's on the inside show on the outside. Because you know, our world isn't interested in just hearing a bunch of intellectual arguments It isn't isn't interested in in how much you know. really isn't interested in what you know. The world you and I live in wants to see. They want to see what we know in action. They want to see Christ in action. And they don't have any use for religious hypocrites. And that's what... You and I are considered by many, whether we are or not. I guess in some ways, maybe we all are a little bit in any part of life. We're not perfect. But most of the world looks at us as hypocrites. Hypocrites. They have no use for us. Until someone makes their commitment to walk, to love and care and share and show. We're just another person, another name. In this passage this morning, John embraces the grace of God in every believer's life by affirming that we as believers are special. We're different. We're something extraordinary. Peter calls us peculiar. Someday we'll have to define that word. We're not just another human being on the planet. No, we might have started out that way. But there's been a change. It's sort of like Richard Goss. We've changed. Something's happened. There's been a transformation. We're, we are now children of God. Children of God. Think about that. That's a, that's a pretty lofty title. Children of God. And, and then John challenges us in this text to live up to that grace. He tells us, purify yourselves just as God is pure, to be holy, to be set apart from the sin and ways of the world we live in, to be a valid witness for Jesus Christ. And as he always does, God gives us some keys right here in this passage as to how to do that. I've always felt like that if we don't ever get to the how, we kind of wasted our energy. We can all talk about the problems. And we can all talk about maybe how we should be, but how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we walk the talk? Well, one of the first things that you see in this passage is we need to get serious about living up to our potential. Each of us are capable of doing a whole lot more than we do. My father used to tell me that all the time (laughs) because I was kind of lazy. You can do more. You can do better. Now, he wasn't a pushy type of person. He was a very loving type of person in that way. Most of us can do more than we do. In fact, the greatest limitation is our willingness. We're not willing. We limit ourselves by being so unwilling to try even. To go and tell or to be. We don't lack the ability. We lack the ambition. I heard a great story about a a man one time who was driving down a country road. Now, this is supposed to be true, but I don't know whether it is or not, but it's a good story either way. Driving down the country road, lost control of his car, wound up in the ditch. So he sees a farmhouse across the fields. So he walks over to the farmhouse, and he asks for help to pull his car out. Well, the old farmer said, Sure, I'll help you. Let me hitch up Dusty. We'll pull you out of that ditch in no time. A few minutes after the farmer appeared with this with Dusty, an old broken down, sway back, almost blind mule. After Dusty was hitched up to the car, the old farmer cracked the whip and he said, Pull, Buck, pull. Nothing happened. Farmer cracked the whip again and he said Pull, Clyde, pull. Nothing nothing happened still. Finally he cracked that whip again. And he said, Pull, Dusty, pull. And old Dusty started digging in and pulled and pulled until finally that car came right out of the ditch. The man thanked the farmer. He said, though, I'm really curious. He said, if, if your mule's name is Dusty, why did you say pull Buck and, and then pull Clyde? Well, the farmer said, you know Dusty's old. You can see that. Dusty doesn't see very well. Doesn't have much confidence anymore. If he thought he had to do all that work all by himself, he'd never even try. It may fit. (laughs) Just try it on. That's our greatest limitation. Our unwillingness to try. Many people are afraid to believe in themselves. and, And they say, well, I'm just one person. And what can I do? I'm just one little tiny insignificant voice. I'm nothing special. I can't really make a difference. And indeed, I am just a sinner. And that's true. God couldn't never use me. But you know, if that, was, if, if that was true, He couldn't use any of us, could He? He couldn't use one of us. We say over and over in this, this negative about, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm just. Until after a while, we start to believe it, don't we? We start to believe it. It, it sort of takes a shape. It, 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 it uh, forms our persona, who we are. We start to believe it more than the gospel. John said in verse 1, How great is the love that the Father, I like this in the NIV version, has lavished upon us. Lavished. I can just feel that. Just that blanket of love covered on top of us. Lavished upon us. That we should be called children of God. And, and then as if we missed that. As if we didn't quite Soak all that in. He he adds that next phrase, and that is what we are with an exclamation exclamation point. It's a command. That's a command. It's it's a statement of fact. You and I, we are children of God, children of the God who created all that there is, this whole universe, the all powerful, Almighty God. We are His children, and He knows us. John goes on in verse 2, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, it's still happening. It's still going to happen. There's still the, the fullness of that yet to be, but we know that when He, Jesus, appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Talking about the second coming. You and I are God's children. He's saying we're destined to become like Jesus. Paul says that in many different ways. The Bible says it in lots of different ways. One degree of glory to another and to the image. Okay, that's Jesus. Same thing. Same thing. It's a sin for us to put on false humility. It's a sin for us to, to claim less for ourselves than that we are indeed a child of the King. A child of God. If we make the effort to live up to our potential, you know, there's no no telling what God can do in us and through us in this world. You can make you can make a big difference in the lives of others, but you have to begin, and you have to begin to hold yourself to a little higher standard, maybe than what most of us tend to want to do, we tend to like to go under the radar, not certainly above it. We need to say, I'm not going to settle for mediocrity. I'm not going to settle for just a ho-hum. I'm going to do the very best I can in whatever ways I can. And it starts with the ordinary, the simple, the simple. But it has to start. You need to say, I am God's child. I am God's child, and I'm going to live up to the potential that God has placed in me. And that may mean you're going to be a missionary. Who knows? We don't know what, what, what's in store out there. Or, or it may mean you're just going to do ordinary things. Maybe teach, teach a Sunday school class or, or just visit in your neighborhood or talk about the Lord or just live like the Lord in your workplace or in school. It means you have to take hold of responsibility to raise your family in a spiritual way as well as a physical way. You know, the first truth about walking with God that we need to hear is we need to get serious about living up to our potential. Living up to who God tells us we are. Because He's not a liar. We are the deniers. The second truth or challenge that comes out of this passage that I want, you to, I want to share with you, is that we need to stay focused on Jesus and not our world. Now that's a whole lot easier said than done. John says in verse 3, Everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure, as He is pure. In other words, all of us who are God's children, who have this His hope in us, should try to be as much like Jesus as we can. Now that means we focus on Jesus, and not on the world, because the world's not like Jesus. It means we get in His Word and we we read His Word, and it means we pray and pray and pray and seek that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes and show us how to be like Jesus. It's not something that just happens automatically. When, when, when you, you know you you first come and say, "I believe in Jesus." We, It isn't an automatic transformation that just totally turns you around. It isn't that way. wasn't even that way with Paul on the Damascus Road. And what does John say? John says, we must purify ourselves. He says, purify yourself. It's something that you need to focus on. It's a work you need to do, that I need to do. We need to purify ourselves it's hard work. It's hard work. John says it another way in verse 6. He says, no one who abides in him, in Christ, keeps on sinning. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. You know, I used to understand that verse backwards. I, I, saw, I thought it said, no one who sins abides in him. Or no one who sins lives in him. I would think, well, that rules me out. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to make lots of mistakes. And if you're keeping a scorecard, it would, you know, the sin side would be a whole lot fuller than the, than the righteous side. I sin every day. Just about every minute. And when I sinned, I would think, well, I've forfeited my chance of living in Jesus. I hope that someday I could I could get to the point where I would stop sinning and learn to live in Jesus. Somehow I thought there was a benchmark or a bar or some st- status or level you would receive as you as you tried to walk with him that, that where you didn't sin anymore. It's not there. That's called heaven, I guess. That's not what the verse says. Is it You read this verse, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. The key is in the keeps on. John is saying that when you spend time with Jesus, when you live in him, you literally lose your ability to keep on sinning with abandon. It doesn't bother you. There's no conscience. you, You don't even know you're sinning. Most of us know when we're out of bounds. And that's because Jesus is living in us. The Holy Spirit is living in us. And when you start going the wrong direction, you start being convicted. That's, why, that's what He does. We start being made uncomfortable. We start being pushed and prodded. And, oh, if you're like me, you're real good at saying, nah, that's okay, I'm still not going to do it. When we spend time in Jesus, when we live in Him... It will happen. We'll start to have a conscience. And we'll start to have remorse. And we'll, we will start to desire to change. And, and as Paul had said, that from one degree of glory, we will start becoming more like Jesus. It will happen. Step by step, change by change, the Holy Spirit will, will remake us into the image of Christ. And, and, and that's, a, that's a great thing. It's a great hope. It's a blessing to walk. And, of course, the opposite is also true. The opposite is also true. If you spend your time living in the world, and you're focused on the world, and you're focused on the ways of the world, and the worldly thoughts, and you're focused on blending in, you know, being a little of this and a little of that, then bit by bit, piece by piece, no matter how many times you come to church and Sunday school, no matter how many prayers you pray, If you're focused on the world, bit by bit, you will take on the image of the world. And sin will lose its meaning. Now you just think about that. Think about that with just maybe a a thought about the Christian church in this country in mind. Whole denominations where sin has lost its meaning. We're willing to walk and be in disobedience to God, to to the Word they know. To retwist it and rework it and remake it, eliminate most of it, so that they can focus on the world. Sin has lost its meaning. And I dare say you and I know people in our own communities, in our own maybe families, in our own circle of friends, that have lost their way. Just like that. Just like that. What was sin yesterday will be fine today. You want to walk your talk. If you want to be the person that God intends us to be, then we do have to get serious about living up to our potential. And we have to spend less, less time on this world and more time focusing on Jesus. The little thing that went around some years ago, WWJD, and the bracelets a lot of the kids wore. What would Jesus do? Not a bad question to ask. Not a bad question to ask. Another challenge that God gives us in this passage is that we need to look for opportunities to do good. I like one John Wesley said. He's, he's not a Presbyterian dude, but he was a good Christian man, a very wise man. And he said, do all the good you can. <clears throat> Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, by all, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. I thought that's pretty good. Reminds me of Paul, who said that he basically, was by, by any means and all means, he was seeking to save some fact is, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do, can you? <laughs> you know, that's just a dream. At some point, you're going to have to take action. At some point, you're going to have to, to let the inside get outside, like we were talking to the children this morning. Good intentions alone aren't, aren't good enough. <clears throat> John, 7, John said in verse 7, he said, Let no one deceive you. Whoever practice, practices righteousness is righteous. John isn't talking about our doing good things, just, according to the world, for sure. He's talking about doing godly things. John isn't talking about doing good or right just because of the righteousness of Christ. He's talking about Christ in us. It's we who are doing the good things because of Christ in us. Because Jesus is our righteousness. There's a story about a a young a young man who approached an Amish fellow. He said, Sir, are you a Christian? The Amish man was somewhat taken back by it. He he said, Why ask me such a question? I can tell you anything. Yes, for sure. You know it. Why don't you visit my banker? Why don't you visit my grocer, my farmhands, my children, and ask them if I'm a Christian? If I am or not, they'll certainly be able to tell you. Jesus inside us, righteousness will show on the outside by the things we do. Walking our talk means that we have to allow God to show up and show us opportunities to do His good will. It means we have to be looking. We have to have eyes open. There's more to living the Christian life than just trying to dodge the big sins. You know, I didn't murder anybody or, you know, I didn't do this or do that. You know, we all have our list of big sins. I didn't do those. But a sin is pretty much a sin. I don't find big sins and little sins in the Scripture. We're called to do the right thing. We must pursue those good works, God works. They won't get us into heaven, but they're our witness to the world, and they're our testimony, and they're our effort on behalf of God, of Jesus in us, to move others to come to know Him. We all read Ephesians 2.8, you know, for by grace we are saved. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, you and I. God's workmanship. God's children created in Jesus Christ. And you read it, Ephesians 2.10, to do good works. I always translate that to do God works. Because sometimes the definition gets fuzzy. But if we're going to do good works, we're going to do God's works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, we're going to be in His plan, fulfilling His purpose for our life. And these are these are works that, that spring from, from being righteous, being right with God. And they're not a means to become righteous. They're because we are righteous. So what kind of works would He be talking about? Well, you know, that's where it gets tough, because it isn't a case of simply going out to the to the, to the soup kitchen on Friday or to the church on Sunday. You know, we have all these common things. Well, I did this and I did that. And we know that story in Luke. Lord, did I not do all these things and phenomenal things, things I've never done. And Jesus says, depart from me, for I know you're not. They were doing works. They were doing what you would think would be godly works. but They didn't know Jesus. So they weren't his works. Because there was no righteousness of Christ in them. And so they weren't righteous works. Good works. Good works that become a part of our everyday life. Works that spring from who we are as a child of God. Works that reflect his image of love for us. That we can share with the world. That work might be next door. That work might be in your own family. That work may be around the world. Who knows where it is? It isn't necessarily just a career choice. It's a life choice. That work may be just picking up the churchyard. You know, who knows? Or mowing the neighbor's grass. Just follow God. Just follow God. We all want to make a difference, at least I hope we do. So keep in mind that the greatest opportunity to do good won't just show up on your day planner. It won't just show up, you know, on your calendar of things to do today. It won't be pre-scheduled, probably. It's just going to pop. That's normally the way they do it. And they take us a little bit by surprise, and we normally say, well, I don't have time for that because I've got stuff on my planner here that I've got to do today. That's often the way it works. So we have to listen. We have to listen to God and for God. And let Him direct our day and our path. The early church changed the world because so many of its members were committed to getting serious about God and who they were in His kingdom, what their role was. They were focused on Jesus And standing apart from the ideologies of their world. And they were always looking. Always had eyes wide open for the opportunity to do good for Jesus. When you journey down that path. And it's my prayer that that indeed all of us. And we as a church will, will try to journey down that path. We're going to find a grace and a blessing greater than we've ever known. I mean it is so good. When the world encounters that kind of commitment, the world, it won't be but able to be attracted by it. To somehow have one of those sort of jaw-dropping experiences where it can't understand that kind of love or that kind of sacrifice or that kind of care. It won't understand the power of Christ. It can change just ordinary people.